0: Good morning and welcome to chapel. On this very frigid day, uh, kudos to you all who braved the cold and made it here. As I was walking over a little while ago, there was just nobody out. I thought, yeah, this is a wise campus. I'd also like to welcome any prospective students. I recognize that there are some gonna be around campus today. Glad to have you among us. Today we conclude our short series on A spirited life. We've addressed prayer practices and activism as two aspects of living a spirited life, and today we turn our attention to bodies, and in particular, the integration of body and spirit. Jesus himself is our primary example of a spirited life that integrated spirit and physicality. Jesus, as we celebrate each Christmas, is the incarnation, the embodiment of God. So today, we'll be encouraged to ponder how our bodies and our spirits work together to enable us to live in an awareness of God and to empower us to live spirited lives. I've asked Linda Slaubom Miller, who many of you know from the bookstore, Um, and who has done a lot of work in relation to kind of physical spirituality to lead us in a call to worship that gets our spirits and our bodies ready for worship. So Linda.
1: So I'd like everyone, this is gonna be experiential. You don't have to get up, you don't have to move around. I want everybody to close your eyes, unless you're watching the signer, in which case you can, you know, pay attention to her because uh, you'll need to hear me. Close your eyes, find a comfortable place um, to be with your body, and take a deep breath. Breathe deeply. Breathe in and breathe out, allowing each exhale to take away tensions, clutters, and distractions. We're gonna get to the hearing part in a little bit. Away from your body, away from this place. We're just going to take a few seconds to notice where in our bodies we're holding stuff that we don't need for right here as we worship together. So start at the top of your head and notice as you move your awareness down your body you might actually want to place your hand on a spot where you notice that you're holding tension your hand can absorb that tension and then you can take your hand away and shake it out shake it out shake it away from you breathe you are the only one in this place, at this moment, in God's presence. Those of you that had a class this morning, just let go of that tasty morsel of academic knowledge that you gleaned from your professor. Don't worry, you'll catch up with it later today and you can tuck it right back in there where it'll be there when you need it. Notice how you're sitting and where the bench is pressed against your body. Notice your feet, how you're connected to the earth. And breathe. Lengthen your spine and notice how it might change your breath. Now with the breath in on your inhale, I want you to allow God's presence to fill those places that you've just emptied of distractions, purifying, warming, being present with you. Notice the life-giving oxygen bringing God's presence into all of us in this room, flooding us with light, with peace, with spirit. And when distractions come, just let them flow on your exhale. Now, as you listen to your breath, I want you to just notice for a moment the noises of our community in the room with your ears. With the loss of sight and the emptying of distractions, hearing becomes more pronounced. with your open ears and your body in the present, we are open to receive the body wisdom for this time together. When you're ready, on your own time, you can open your eyes.
2: Good morning, everybody. I'm Associate Professor of Music, Scott Hostetler, and I'd ask you to continue in worship with me by turning in your green, Sing the Journey book, to number 12. And it's fitting that this song comes from a culture of dance. Cantai ao Senhor from Brazil. We'll sing the Portuguese verse, And then the first three of the English verses. And in our singing and worshiping this morning, feel free to move your bodies uh, as much as you would like. Let's stand together. And Brody Thomas will be our pianist. Hymnal Worship Book, The Blue Book, number 389. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. to the Green Book, Sing the Journey. We journeyed um, to South Africa with Sizohamba Naye. And we'll sing the South African language first and then sing both verses of the English and then back uh, to Sizohamba. You definitely need to move on this one. Number 78. That would be helpful. Although this music isn't even supposed to have anything written down. So you just pick it up and sing it and move your body. Micah Detweiler will be accompanying us on the djembe.
3: Fame, and I'm a history major sophomore and I am a runner running for me is church it is therapy it is anger released it is the one place where I am free to be totally completely myself when I'm running I'm free I'm away from the world's expectations away from judgment away from responsibilities when I am running God is with me Physical activity connects me to God. I didn't realize how much of an impact it had until it was pointed out to me by a mentor of mine that prayer did not have to mean sitting by my bed with my hands folded and on my knees. Prayer could be the space in my head where thoughts flow freely and where I am simply present exactly where I am. Prayer could be a race. Prayer could be a walk or a bike ride or a hike. Prayer can be drawing, painting, writing, There are so many opportunities to thank God during the day, even if it's not at a conscious level. The Bible is full of verses that are supportive of an active lifestyle. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Personally, I don't like the idea of life being a race. I'm not a competitive person, and in in cross-country races I have run, the competitive nature is hard for me to find. But most times, with a sport like mine, the real competition is within your head. If you have ever run a long distance, you know that after a certain point, it is all just a mental game. You are not distracted by passing a ball, playing as a team, or with anyone but yourself. The game is inside of your head, and it's all up to you how you deal with it. Let us run with endurance. The phrase can be applied to any aspect of life not just running in a race. Have the endurance to finish what you've started, to maintain healthy relationships, to eat well, and celebrate often. The interaction of body and spirit is something that is so important to my happiness. Running is not always easy or enjoyable. It takes an awful lot of work to train the body, and it is frustrating when limits are met, which is often called hitting the wall. But once those limits have been passed, satisfaction ensues. Since God gave me this body, the only thing that is mine, why shouldn't I use it to the best of my ability? Until recently, the church had tried to separate body and spirit, saying that all things earthly and bodily are sins. I don't think that using my body has ever been a sin. How could it be if I was given this body by my God? For me, my long runs are spiritual. There's a concept in sports called a runner's high, which where the pain leaves your body and you are given a second wind of strength. When I reach runner's high, it's like I'm on air. My head and my vision clears. I can feel my heartbeat, the touch of each foot to the ground. I hear the birds and the wind around me. All of my senses are tuned in to the world around me. And for 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 that experience, I have only one explanation. God is present. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. My favorite word of the passage is endurance. Endure what life throws at you, because everything is a gift. God has set a life before all of us, just by giving us life and body. And we should all be encouraged to endure with strength and gratitude what we have been so very blessed with. Let us run. Thank you.
4: Hi, I'm Sam Weaver, and I'm a sophomore biology major. Physical activity is a really important part of my life. I like to play soccer, I like to run, um, I really like to dance. Uh, Basically, anything that gets me moving around, you could probably convince me to try. And since physical activity is so prevalent in my life, it makes sense to me that at some point, my physical life and my spiritual life would cross paths. And it it happens. the place where I've been able to find God the most in my life has been when I'm rock climbing. Rock climbing is something that has enabled me to connect in a positive way with other people, with nature, and with God. Um, and it's, it's been an experience that I haven't been able to find anywhere else. The first time I ever climbed outside of a gym was when I was 13 years old at summer camp. Um, I fell in love that week. I, I climbed outside for the first time, and it was something I had never experienced before. And that week, I was also introduced to the concept that worship isn't necessarily just singing or praying. It can be you doing something that you love to do and glorifying God. At that point, this was a completely new concept for me. I was totally intrigued by the fact that I could use something other than, my body, or other than my voice and my mind to connect with God. I could use my body. Um, the leader of our camp explained that his way of worshipping was rock climbing. And that kind of stuck with me. Another thing I s- discovered that week and have continued to experience since then is the atmosphere that accompanies climbing. Um, It seems to me that when you're climbing, everyone is encouraging and supportive and it's just an atmosphere where you want other people to succeed and everyone wants you to succeed and it's just very um, supportive and fun and it's almost just as enjoyable as climbing to just be there and experience the group that you're with. Um, And also because I learned to climb in a camp setting, I was actively encouraged to connect my spirituality with everything I was doing so that definitely helped me see God in when I was climbing and so important an important thing about climbing is that it's a social activity but it's also important for me that I get to interact with nature when I'm climbing Um, bringing my spiritual and physical lives together is something that's really easy for me to do when I'm in nature when I'm climbing I can, I'm touching the rock, I can feel the texture under my hands, the cracks, the curves. Um, You can smell the rocks and the earth and the trees around you, and it's something that I've never experienced to that extent in any other way. And getting to the top of a climb and looking around at the beautiful creation around you is is just an added bonus and something where God is always present for me. And I've always seen God primarily in nature, so it's not surprising that um, interacting in such an intimate way with nature, with something that's so ancient, so beautiful, unmoving, it impacts me so much. And that's really important, but I think the most important thing for climbing for me is the way it makes me feel. And when I'm climbing, I let myself solely focus on what I am doing. I can be a pretty competitive person, but when it comes to climbing, I know I'm challenging myself, and even if I don't make what I'm trying to do, I have made progress in the process of climbing. I love the soreness that comes from a good day of climbing, and it makes me appreciate the things my body is capable of, and the capacity I have to grow physically and spiritually. Climbing's not easy by any means, and it can be really frustrating, but even through this, I am somehow filled with an overwhelming happiness. I have found a sense of peace and contentment that I can't even explain fully. And it's something I've never found anywhere else. And this has made me think that maybe climbing is a way that I worship. Maybe it is a prayer for me, just like I had learned my first year at camp. So overall, meeting God through climbing has made me see how I can use the gift of my body to do a lot of different things. I can use it to tell stories through dancing or to run miles and miles, although that's not something I do. And um, I can always hope that I can show people how special climbing has been to me through the use of my body. Um, And although I may not always consciously acknowledge it, climbing has always been a spiritual experience for me and continues to be a way that I can connect to nature, others, and God. And I hope that... um, other people can find the mental clarity and the spiritual space that I can find through climbing through um, other types of physical activity.
0: Thank you. Some of these experiences of encountering God through physical activity may make it sound as if This body-spirit integration is only for athletes. But I'd like to close with a short reflection that grew out of a different kind of body-spirit integration that I experienced a couple years ago. Um, it feels to me like it might be a fitting conclusion to our short series here of Spirited Life, where we've looked at prayer practices and activism and today body-spirit integration. In June of 2010, I joined about 60 others in a six-day, 75-mile pilgrimage from Sonora, Sasabe, Mexico, through the Sonoran Desert to Tucson, Arizona, on what's referred to as the Migrant Trail. My goal, and that of my fellow travelers, Jorge and Saulo Padilla, um, who are co-workers at the Mennonite Central Committee, my goal and theirs was to understand the situation along the border more fully, and to understand it with our bodies as well as our spirits and our minds. This was important for me because a few years prior, a young Guatemalan had become a part of our family, and his story included a near-death experience in the Sonoran Desert. So this was an opportunity for me to increase my understanding of that reality, and indeed it did. But it was the physical experience, along with the conversations and the prayers spoken and the songs sung along the way, that turned that physical experience into a sacred and holy time for me. The end of our longest day, which was um, 16 some odd miles, ended at a roadside stuccoed Baptist church, Serenity Baptist Church to be precise. So I close with this reflection entitled Serenity in the Desert. I walked through this stuccoed arch into the shade of Serenity Baptist Church on Highway 15, 20 miles south of Tucson, leaving behind the scorching sun of the Sonoran Desert, breathing in the cool air in this peaceful oasis. With each step into the coolness of this darkened refuge, Reviving air surrounded and enfolded me as if I was entering again into the womb protected from the elements, protected from threat, protected from hunger and thirst. Tears welled up in my eyes, a lump formed in my throat, an overwhelming sense of release washed over me as if cleansing me of the sweat and the dust and the dirt that caked my frame. The Baptist pastor welcomed us. Make yourselves at home. We are glad that you are here. The Buddhist monk who had cooked all morning along with his friends to provide us with a fragrant feast of Thai food calmly greeted us as well. The food is ready when you are. Ushered into this sacred space, we found tables and chairs waiting to be filled by the 60 of us who had been walking for five days through the harsh landscape, traveled by strangers and friends seeking a sustainable life in the north. We were a group of Latinos and Anglos, Catholics and Protestants, agnostics and atheists, Muslims and Native American spiritualists. On this particular day we had risen at 2:45 a.m. to begin the 16-mile trek, racing the sun as it rose in the piercing blue sky, racing the sun as it made its way to 105 degrees by noon. Setting my bottled water or my my water bottle and my sunglasses on the table, I pulled out a chair, grateful to have something to sit on besides the thorny desert ground. I carefully untied my shoes, avoiding the burrs of the desert scrub that had attached themselves to my laces. With solemnity, I took off each shoe, then each wool sock, setting my feet on the cool tile, holy, cold tile. The tears fell onto my cheeks and I wondered, why am I crying? Is this because I'm so relieved to be done for the day? Is it because now I have a chair to sit on? Is it because my feet are cool for the first time in days? Is it because this food smells so good? Or because I'm finally out of the sun? Or is it because I'm carrying the small white cross which reads Maria Cortez Portillo, 50 years old, my age? Maria Cortez Portillo who died in the desert? Is it because our trade policies have created a very sad and desperate situation that is killing people? Or because I now have sat with women who are separated from their children One who hasn't seen her three daughters for six years since the baby was three months old. And the US government won't let her see her children because her children were born in the US and they are US citizens. And she was born in El Salvador and she is not a US citizen. So her children are wards of the state of Arizona and the mom may not take them home to El Salvador the Savior. And she cannot come to them in the U.S., and they are now six and nine and eleven, and all she has is a well-worn wallet photo. And I now live with the memory of the deep grief and sadness in her eyes. Or are my tears because now I miss my own son and daughter and husband more aware in this moment how very much I value and love them in light of the stories I've heard. Or are my tears because I am drinking water that has ice in it, clean water, and my mind flashes back to my young Guatemalan friend whose name I hold in my heart, Telling me about his experience in the Sonoran Desert and how his gallon jug of water hit a rock and broke and drained dry. And how in desperation, after becoming hallucinogenic, he he drank the bit of scummy water that he found only to discover that it was laden with oil and feces. And how he thought he was dead but who told me four months later, I'm now born again, God has given me new life. Or are my tears because in some concrete and yet very mysterious way, I'm experiencing amazing grace in this roadside Baptist church in the desert? In this space, I am caught between the painful and harsh reality of death in the desert and the hospitable and gracious welcome in this stuccoed sanctuary along Highway 15. In this sanctuary, open to all the weary pilgrims, all will be fed. This is as it should be. I stand to take my place in line among strangers and friends, all standing with bare feet on cool tile, all tired and thankful and weary and disheartened and encouraged and hungry, hungry to take some bread of life for all people. This experience, like the arched entry into this stuccoed sacred space, is for me the tangible threshold of God's all-encompassing mercy and grace.
2: Let's join in on a closing song, Guide My Feet, in hymnal worship book. And that number is 546, and let's stand together. Number 546.
0: since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his place at the seat of the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such hostility so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Go in peace.